do an awesome job. And we, like, I, I'm just so like happy with our team. I love that we can like sit on the sidelines and it's like we never skip a beat. Thank you guys. They put in a lot of work. We had an awesome time last night uh, just sort of hanging out with just the worship team, just having a good old cookout. The rain stopped. It was a good time. Um, it's so important to do that, to spend time together. We're going to be talking about time today. But uh, as you can tell, Pastor Bob and Dina are not here. Um, they are on a much-needed, well-deserved vacation. So keep them in prayer. They, uh, you know, they just been a tough season for the whole family. And just keep them in your prayers. Keep, keep them lifted up. Um, but it's awesome. We see victory, right? We see, we see God moving, and we're just excited about that. We're believing for that. Um, I'm excited about what's happening here. There's a lot of new faces here, uh, which is very cool. Got to meet some new people. Um, I'm just excited about that. Real quick, I want to touch on something. Pastor Dina asked me to talk about this. Um, we are going to be launching uh, small groups again this fall. We're going to be doing a semester in September. Uh, more detailed information will be coming, but we're looking for people who would be interested in being a host or a facilitator or possibly both. So what does that mean? That sounds, those, are, those are different words. Those are scary words. Facilitator, what does that mean? It doesn't mean, I didn't say teacher, and I didn't say Bible scholar either. Um, a facilitator, basically what you're doing is you're just leading discussion. Um, and what do I mean by that? There's some questions that are going to be printed out and for you, and you just sort of keep the conversation going. But um, if you're interested in doing that, maybe you've done it before, but maybe you haven't done it before, um, this is one of those things where life groups are such a vital part of building community here. It's the best way, if you're new here, to get to know people. Sunday morning is great. We see everyone, but it's really hard to uh, have meaningful relationships in passing on Sunday, right? This is about doing life together. So uh, we really are um, we're really excited about starting up life groups again, and we're looking for people who are interested. So if you are, please let us know. That's not a commitment, just to get more information, okay? All right, I'm going to start off with a question. Um, this morning will be a little bit different than normal. First off, I don't have any ironic T-shirts to wear. Uh, like Pastor Bob, I'm not cool like that. But, um, you know, it's going to look a little different in other ways too, but that's okay. Um, if I, I'm going to pose a question. What would you say the most valuable, valuable, the most valuable resource on earth is? You might say money, right? You might say um, the price of gas is going up, so you might say gas or oil. Uh, maybe it's gold or something like that. Maybe. I truly believe and want to talk about time as a resource. What, what other resource do we have such a limited supply but such a big demand, right? So going back to economic supply and demand, right? There's nothing else that has such a high demand but such a limited supply than our time, we're given a certain amount of it, and that's it. You can't dig more up. You can't hire somebody to, you can't trade with people. You can't, there's nothing you can do to get more time. We have core values at the church, right? Um, and a lot of times these are just uh, either on the website. It's like a, every church has them. If you go to any church's website, um, they're going to have core values listed, and we have our own page. Um, and it's... Um, 
it's easy to sort of look at these and think these are just like token phrases that every church, they're all the same. They just worded a little bit differently, but not here. We really, I know that Pastor Bob and Dina had spent a lot of time when they were in the transition period of, you know, taking over the church a couple years ago, of really pouring time praying and seeking God for what our core values are here. And a lot of these things have been core values for a long time, and there's a legacy to them. But some of these things are worded differently or they're new. But here it's not just a token statement. You're going to hear me, uh, fortunately or unfortunately for you, talking about these a lot over the next little while because I really feel strongly about these. We're going to focus in on one this morning. And that one is, we give up things we love for things we love even more. And I love the subtext here. And it's hard, but it says our commitment goes beyond our words. Our schedules reflect our convictions. It's a tough thing, and I'm not harping on you. This is something that I feel like God is speaking to me. My tendency, what I do in situations is I go all in on something, and I will spend a crazy amount of time learning about things that I just don't need to know. You can ask him. She'll be like saying, what are you up to? I'm like, well, I'm on YouTube learning how to frame a house because it, it's interesting to me. I know what a mud sill is now, and I, I, I know all these terms. I'm not going to frame a house. I'm going to hire someone. I'm not going to hire anyone. I can't afford to do that anyways right now. But I go all in. I wanted to be a professional skateboarder. I'm still paying for that. My hip hurts. But I went all in. Off an eight-foot half-pipe straight to my hip, and that was it. I was like, okay, if I go any further, I'm going to break something. I don't want to do that. Plus, I got a car. So I didn't want to be a professional skateboarder anymore. I wanted to be an artist, but I wasn't good at painting, so I spent all this time. It was like I just go all in on things, and I, if I'm not careful, I'll catch myself spending all my time on all the wrong things. Anyone ever been there before? feel like, what, where's my time gone? Let alone having, like, Facebook to scroll or anything like that, right? How many times you like, wow. It's been an hour it's been sitting here. But I'll sit there on YouTube and I'll watch how something is made or how to do something. And I just it interests me so much. And that's okay. But I will, I will go overboard. God created time, right? It's not something that was just there. And this is hard for us to understand. He's not bound by time. He's not, he's not on our timeline. He lives outside of time in eternity, right? Like, and we start thinking about this, and it's one of those things that turns your brain into ramen noodles. It's like, um, what happened before God? What? You start, like, smoke starts coming out, and it's like crazy, right? These things, we can't comprehend them in our mind. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts. He's talking about humankind in the previous scripture. Except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. So our minds, we, we can't comprehend this concept of no time. It doesn't work for us. But we all know in our hearts, we feel that draw for eternity, right? That this can't just end. And some people out of fear do believe that. It just ends and it's just dark and that's it. How sad is that? It's hard to wrap our heads, but our hearts are drawn to eternity. God sets the time, too, okay? So I'm setting a few things up, and then I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to you. Acts 1, verse 7. 
And he said to them, this is Jesus, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. The Father owns the time. He sets the time. What I think is funny about this is Jesus was just telling them, like, listen, I'm going to go. The Holy Spirit's going to be coming. God has set up a time for the Holy Spirit to come. And the disciples are like, yeah, okay, that's cool. When are you going to, like, take over and set things back up? And he's like, no, listen, there's a time for everything. It's not for you to know. Galatians 4.4, but when the fullness of the time has come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman under the law. Or God had, the father had set up from the beginning the time which Jesus would come and which he will come again. We'll talk about that in a second. Galatians 6.9, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we, will, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. It's up to God the times are set. Ecclesiastes 3.1, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Again and again and again in Scripture, it talks about God setting times for things. There's, there's an appropriate time for everything. Last one here, and we'll move on to this. Mark 12.32, but, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. This is one of the most interesting Scriptures to me in the Bible. Because it's saying that the Father has set a time for Jesus to return, that not even the Son, at least at this time, knew. And that is, uh, that's very interesting to me. God owns time. It's his. So this sort of seems like depressing, right? I mean, not like that God owns the time, but like, what are you, what are you getting at here? Who, who here has ever waste, felt like you've wasted time or someone's wasted your time, right? I mean, like... You get, I get so frustrated when someone wastes my time. Like, don't waste my time. It's very valuable to me. I feel the value. And I feel very frustrated when I waste my own time, too. Afterwards, I feel guilty. But God redeems time, too, right? There are some pretty crazy stories in the Bible about God doing this, and it's not always just what you'd expect. So I, um, I turn 36 tomorrow. And I'm at that weird age where everyone younger than me thinks I'm super old, and everyone older than me thinks I'm super young, and I can't win. It's sort of rough. But it's okay. When I was younger, when I first started driving, your phone had a screen about the size of an, a quarter on it. And you better not try to go look up a map on there. It'll cost you 50 cents a second. And, uh, yeah, that didn't work. So we went to the gas station. Kim and I were talking about this the other day. We went to the gas station. We had to buy those maps to get around, you know. That seems so weird. I sound so old now. Um, but then MapQuest came out. Who loved MapQuest, right? Yes. Praise God for MapQuest. Um, you print it out, and you look where you're going. And then if you missed a turn, if you were, hand, if you were like, you could pick out north, south, east, and west, which I was okay at. My mom wasn't. So, hi, Mom, by the way, on the live stream. Um, you know, uh, we would get lost, and we would have to backtrack and retrace, and it would just take up so much time. But then this little invention came, which was way, it was just awesome. It's the GPS, the dash-mounted single function. That's all it did was GPS. You press the button on it, and then you'd wait, and like three seconds later, the menu would pop up. And you're like, all right, destination, let's go. Didn't always have all the latest addresses. You had to like mail in for a new thing to come. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Technology. But... This, this little guy right here had such a cool feature. 
It was called recalculating. Yeah, everyone knows what I'm talking about. We've all had that moment, right? When Kim and I first were married, um, we were very zealous. Uh, we, we, we made decisions, and sometimes we felt like we, either we missed it or something's not right, but we're not, like, something's not right. We just sort of had times where we felt like the little recalculating thing was happening. Even when we make bad decisions, I'm not advocating that. But God has a way of redeeming that sometimes, doesn't he? It's, it's amazing how you can look back and say, oh, this was a huge mistake, and it was. And you learn from it, God brings good out of those things. But when we waste time, God has a way of redeeming that time. 2 Peter 3.8. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing. With the Lord, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. It's a really cool scripture. We're going to come back to it. Matthew 24, 22. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. For the elect's sake, those days would be shortened. And this is talking about the end times. And um, we're not going to get into the eschatological stuff about this. But God was basically saying like, he will shorten the days. And then you, there's one scripture that's sort of famous, but you don't hear about it a lot. Uh, when Joshua... Uh, was taking the people of Israel to fight the Amorites. And he prayed. He's like, God, stop the sun from moving and the moon from moving. And it says that in the Bible that God did. And it's like for a whole day, basically time stopped, right? Um, and it said that no time before that or since then has God ever listened to a man like that. And these are just little examples. To, they're big examples, but they're things to show you that God He's, he's, he's going to redeem time. There's things that he's going to do. He's not bound by it. So I'm going to lay out a scripture that's a little bit challenging, and it's going to make us think, and then I'm going I'm to read a short story. James 4, 14 says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit, whereas you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. You ought to say, if the Lord wills, we should we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So does this mean don't make any plans and just wing it? Eh, no. It means in your heart, where is your time going? Is it based on your pride? Is it based on what you think in your arrogance of these things, or is it giving it back to God? You see, God owns time. The Father owns the time. He sets it. It's his. He gives us so much of it to be entrusted with. We're to give it back. Think of it like this. Your kids come to you and they're like, hey, we want to get you this awesome birthday present. It's going to be so cool. And we're like, oh, cool. Can I borrow $50 from you to go to the store and buy it? Yeah, yeah. You know, the other day, you have to, this is some things I've learned about, like, when you're up here speaking, you have to say something embarrassing about at least one of your kids when you're up here. So, I'm sorry, Joel, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit. We were, um, we went to the store, and this kid loves sushi, okay? And Myers, the grocery store, they have really good sushi uh, for a grocery store. They make it fresh. It's like restaurant quality, right? Uh, so, we get him some sushi. Uh, it's like $10 a roll. It's like eating gold, okay? But he loves it, and uh, I love him, so we get this kid some sushi. 
and he eats half of it and leaves the other half there. I said, hey, can I have some of that? And he goes, yeah, you can have some of it. Like, I didn't just pay my own money to buy it for him, you know. Um, it's, just, it's just sort of like that, right? God owns the time. God has all this in his hands. But what are we doing with it? We get surprised sometimes when God asks us for our time. Another analogy with the kids. It's like um, we'll say, okay, um, you know, they're playing video games or whatever. I'm like, okay, listen, dinner's in like 15 minutes, okay? So get to a saving point between now and 15 minutes from now, right? So 15 minutes rolls around. Guys, okay, we're going to eat dinner now. Oh, but I'm in this, I'm in an, another match. You can't, I can't, I've got to get the battle pass. Yeah, you know. Like, didn't you, I mean, like, what did you, why did you start that? If I told you just a minute ago that we were going to do this. And it's cute and it's funny, but we do the same thing sometimes, right? I do. God says, hey, spend time with me. Let's write a song. Let's do something. Let's, t- let's hang out. And I'm like, yeah, i got to get the battle pass. <sighs> i got to watch how to frame a house. I don't know. I'm not saying being entertained is a bad thing. Don't take me the wrong way. I'm just bringing it back to that scripture in James that says, out of arrogance, we set our own schedules up, and we sort of make plans, and God sort of thinks it's cute, right? I want to read this story to you. It's not that long, just a few pages. But this is something, this story is something that sort of grips my heart on this subject. And I feel like this is what God is sort of saying to us in a way. So I'm going to read it. So bear with me. Use your imagination and picture this. A long time ago, in a land much like your own, there was a village. And in the village lived five orphans. A lonely family of fatherless children. They had banded together against the cold. One day, the king learned of their misfortune and decided to adopt them. He announced that he would be their father, and he would come for them soon. When the children learned that they had a new father, and their father was the king, and that the king was coming to visit, they went wild with excitement. When the people of the village learned that the children had a father, and their father was the king, and that the king was coming to the village, they were excited as well. They went out to see the children and told them what to do. You need to impress the king, they explained. Only those with gifts to give will be allowed to live in the castle. The people didn't know the king. They just thought that all kings wanted to be impressed. So the children began preparing gifts to offer the king. They worked long and hard to be sure the king would approve. One of the children who knew how to carve decided to give the king a wonderful work of wood and art. He set his knife against the soft bark of the elm and whittled. The small blocks of wood came alive with the eyes of a sparrow or the nose of a horse. His sister decided to present the king with a painting that captured the beauty of the heavens, a painting worthy to hang on in his castle. Another sister chose music as her way to impress the king. For long hours she practiced with her voice and mandolin. People would stop at her window and listen as her music took wings and soared. Yet another child set out to turn the king's head with his wisdom. Late hours would find him, his candle lit, his books open, geography, math, chemistry. The breadth of his study was matched only by the depth of his desire. Surely a king would appreciate all this knowledge. But there was one sister who had nothing to offer. Her hand was clumsy with the knife. Her fingers stiff with the brush. When the little girl opened her mouth to sing, the sound was hoarse. She wasn't much of a reader. She believed she had no talent, and so she believed she had no gift. All she had to offer was her heart, for her heart was good. 
She spent her time at the city gates watching the people come and go. She would earn pennies to buy food for her brothers and sisters by grooming people's horses or feeding their animals. She was a simple stable girl, but she had a good heart. She knew the beggars by name. She took time to pet each dog. She welcomed home the travelers and greeted the strangers. How was your journey, she would ask. Tell me what you learned on your visit. How is your husband? Do you enjoy your new work? She was full of questions for people because her heart was big and she cared about people. They were all the same to her, the beggars and the rich. She cared for all of them just the way they were. But since the little girl thought she had no talent or gift, she was afraid that the king would be disappointed. She remembered the villagers' advice and set her mind about the task of making a gift for the king. She took a small knife and went to her brother, the carver. Could you teach me to carve, he asked. Sorry, the young craftsman responded without looking up. I've got much work to do. I have time for you. The king is coming, you know. The girl put away her knife, picked up a brush. She went to her sister, the artist. She found her on a hill painting a sunset on a canvas. You paint so beautifully, said the girl, who had no gift but a big heart. I know, the painter answered. Could you share your gift with me? Not now, the sister responded with eyes on her palate. The king is coming, you know. The girl with no gift then remembered her other sister, the one with the song. She'll help me, she said. When she arrived at her sister's house, she found a crowd of people waiting to listen to her sing. Sister, she called. Sister, I've come to listen and learn. But her sister couldn't hear. The noise of the applause was too loud. With a heavy heart, the girl turned and walked away. Then she remembered her other brother. She took a book with small words and big letters and went to see him. I have nothing to offer the king, she said. Could you teach me to read so I might show him my wisdom? The young sage-to-be didn't speak. He was lost in thought. The girl with no gift spoke again. Can you help me? I have no talent. Go away, said the scholar scarcely, moving his eyes from the text. Can't you see I'm preparing myself for the coming of the king? And so the girl went away sadly. She had nothing to give. She returned to her place at the city gates and took up her task of caring for the people's animals. After some days, a man in merchant's clothes came to the small town. Can you feed my donkey? he asked the girl. The orphan jumped to her feet, looked into the face of the one who had traveled far. His skin was leathery from the sun. His eyes were deep. His kind smile warmed the girl's heart. That I can, she answered eagerly, leading the animal to the trough. Trust him to me. When you return, he will be groomed and fed. Tell me, she asked as the donkey drank, have you come to stay here? For only a while, I'm looking for someone. Are you weary from your journey? That I am. Would you like to sit and rest? The girl motioned to a bench near the wall. The tall man sat on the bench, leaned against the wall, closed his eyes, and slept. After a few minutes, he woke and found the girl sitting at his feet, watching his face. She was embarrassed that he caught her staring. She turned away. Have you been sitting here there long? Yes. What do you seek? Nothing. You seem to be a kind man with a peaceful heart. It's good to be near you. The man smiled, stroked his beard, and said, You are a wise girl. When I return, we will visit more. The man did return quite soon. 
Did you find the ones you were seeking? The girl asked. I found them, but they were too busy for me. What do you mean? Well, the first one I came to see was a woodsmith rushing to complete a project. He told me to return tomorrow. Another was an artist. I saw her sitting on a hillside, but the people below said she didn't want to be disturbed. The other was a musician. I sat with the others and listened to her music. Then I asked to talk with her. She said she had no time. The other I saw had left. He moved out of the city to go to school. The girl's eyes widened as she realized who this man was. But you don't look like a king, she gasped. I try not to, he explained. Being a king can be lonely. People act strangely around me. They ask me for favors. They try to impress me. They bring me all their complaints. Isn't that what a king is for? Asked the girl. Certainly, responded the king. But there are times when I just want to be with my people. There are times when I want to talk to my people, to hear about their day, to laugh a bit, to cry some. There are times when I just want to be their father. Is that why you adopted the children? That's why. Adults think they have to impress me. Children don't. They just want to talk to me. They know that I love them just the way they are. But my brothers and sisters were too busy? They were. But I'll come back. Maybe they'll have more time another day. The girl hesitated. Sir, what about me? I have no gift, but I would like to be your child. The king smiled. My dear, you gave the best gift of all. You gave me your heart, your kindness, your time, and your love. Of course you'll be my child. I love you just the way you are. And so it happened that the children with many talents, but no time, missed the visit of the king, while the girl whose only gift was the gift of her heart, became the child of the king. The book, yeah. The book sort of wrecks me. The line when it says, sometimes it's lonely to be a king. I ask myself, like, God, when you think about me, do you get lonely? You can find yourself getting so full of things and so full of life. It just happens, right? I mean, there's you know, so many things going on. When God created everything, right? He went the first day, you know, he created every, each, each day, he created different things, right? And every day, he, what did he say? He said, it is good, right? Then when he created man, and at the end of that day, he said, it is very good. And then he took the next day and he rested, right? Do you think God needed to rest for any reason at all? I think it was effortless for him to create everything, right? I imagine, when I, I imagine whenever Adam woke up for the first time and God's there in the garden with him, just staring into his creation, right? And he's just there. And he said, you know what? 
we are taking tomorrow off. It's a family day. And I, I would love to think that this is one of those times where a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. And God just spent all that time with Adam in the garden. And, you know, sometimes I catch, I caught myself, read this story and you hear it about the, the account of creation. And then it says on the, uh, God rested. And you think, okay, so he went away somewhere hidden and no, he was, he was with his creation. He was in the garden with the creation. In all my dealings with spending time on YouTube, I stumbled across this documentary, and it was very interesting. It was an objective look at um, the Orthodox Jew uh, communities in New York, the Hasidic Jew community. And... Um, Basically, they, they still follow a lot, all the traditions passed down from generation to generation. And one of the things that they were talking about is um, Shabbat, you know, the Sabbath, celebrating that. And there are some crazy rules that they follow, that they have to follow. Um, you know, it starts at a certain time of the evening and it goes to the next day. And the, the one guy said, you know, we turn the bathroom lights on because after a certain amount of time, we're not allowed to turn lights on or off. You think, okay, this is like overkill, don't you think? Just turn the light on, right? I'm sure God doesn't care if you turn the light on. And what hit me was he was talking about this tradition and saying, you know, it's not that God cares or not about him turning the light on or off. It's that they completely set their whole culture up to take this time and rest. They're not allowed to talk about work. They're not allowed to work. They're not allowed to do a lot of other things too that are little and sort of seem strange, but they say that they, like the one guy was talking, he was saying, this is, we understand this looks weird to outsiders, but this is something that we do because we understand the importance of having this. It's so good for me to take a break from all this and be with family and their families and their communities are so tightly knit. God has challenged my heart. How many days in a row are you going to be busy and working on stuff? How, how long are you going to go? And it would be like three weeks, four weeks of not really resting and telling the kids, hey, you know what, we'll have to do that later. And I feel God gripping my heart in the past season right now saying, no, you need to slow down on some things. We give up things we love for things we love even more. We have to choose what we love even more. God is calling our hearts. He's calling... This song says he won't relent until he has it all. And that seems from the outside like a selfish God. He talks about him being jealous, but he's gentle. I like how the king said, she's, the girl said, they didn't have time for you? He said, no, but I'll come back. They will. He's very patient and he waits on us. And I'm so thankful that he is, that he's not bound by time. We're going to go ahead and close and we're going to pray. But I wanted to challenge everyone. The tagline of that um, core value says, our schedules reflect our convictions. This isn't a plea to have everyone come to church on Sunday. Because I'm not even talking about Sunday. I'm not even talking about setting a day apart. I'm just saying, what does your prayer life look like? A checklist that gets pushed back? Or is it something that we live for that time when we could be intimate with God. 
I think like this picture I found, it's just so cool to think about, you know, God and his creation just sitting there in the garden. It says a day, but it might as well be a thousand years. Who knows, right? But it's just so cool to see this illustration of what it really is like with the Father. He's not looking for gifts. He's not looking for these things to hang on the wall. He's looking for our hearts, right? So we're going to have the prayer team come up. Um, and we're just going to take a moment. We're just going to pray. And the worship team's going to sing this song out, and we'll go ahead and leave. But challenge yourself. I can't tell you what you need to do in your schedule, or if anything. But I hope that, that something in this story, in what I said today, urges your heart to at least take a look at what you're doing and don't miss out on the, on the king. Don't miss out on the father, his plans for your life, the things that he wants to do. We are in a very exciting time here. There are, we have new people. Um, the, we're, we're doing things with excellence and I'm just excited. I see God uh, moving in this place and I don't, I want us all to be a part of that. There are many people that, that need to hear the truth of God and need to feel his love. And we have the opportunity to join in and do that. So if the prayer team, if anyone could come up from the prayer team, we're going to pray. If you have a need, or maybe you say, you know what, yeah, I, I know that this is speaking to me this morning, and I know that there's some things I need to figure out. Sometimes saying no to something uh, is really hard to do. Um, no one wants to do that. I hate saying no to people. But getting overcommitted means saying no to my family. It means saying no to what God wants to do. So I challenge you as, as we close to just examine your heart and say, God, you know, is there anything that you think that maybe I shouldn't be spending my time on? Or is there something that I'm supposed to say yes to that I'm afraid that I'm too busy God, I pray that you just um, work that out. We come before you this morning, God, and we just, God, we're thankful that you redeem the time. Even when we throw things away, God, you are able to redeem that time. I pray for each and every person here, God, as we leave this place this morning, that you would spark our hearts, God, uh, a desire, God, to, to spend some time like Adam did in the garden and just get close to you and hear what's next. What's next? I don't want to just go through the motions. I want to I hear from you, God, what's next? And I just pray, God, as we leave this place that you would just keep us safe. God, we pray for Pastor Bob and Dina right now. God, we lift them up. God, we ask you just to give them a refreshing right now, God. Life can be so busy on top of that hard things coming, God, and I, at them. And I just pray, God, that you would, um, number one, that you would refresh their spirits, God, and their minds and their hearts, God. Give them inspiration, God, for the direction of where we're going. And I pray that you would just lay them on the hearts of the people here, God, that we would remember them. We'd see that fridge magnet. We'd say, we'd pray for them. We'd send them a text, just not asking them for anything, but just saying, hey, we appreciate you. And I just pray that as we go this week that 
that we would be safe, God, that you would have your hand and protection upon us, God. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray.